And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today on this just atrociously icy afternoon in Oklahoma City. It's where I'm from. Uh, Michele in a very different part of the world. Michele, what's up? How's it going? Well, um, it's going well all things considered and <laughs> it's rainy it's really gray here um for most okay. of the days today we had a little bit of sun so i consider myself extremely lucky and uh yeah. and yeah well we have basketball sort of uh, over the next few few hours so it's um yep it's a good yep. day <sighs> the news dropped just moments before we started this podcast that anthony davis is not going to play tonight for the Lakers, everybody. Great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. LeBron's questionable. Oh, it's infuriating. The Thunder are getting the kind of luck that we would have just begged for years ago. Instead, they get it this year when the goal is to get a top five pick. What a travesty. It's because it's not luck. It's being bad. When you're bad good teams are likely going to rest good players against you. This is true. This is true. So I know, I'm sorry for whoever is on Twitter thinking that OKC is actually good. It's not. Um, (laughs) And and, um, it's better than expected. Yes, still Mm -hmm. not enough to... When you are, when you have the chance to rest Anthony Davis uh, and you think you can get away with a victory, then you do it. And probably LeBron is going to play it. Um, maybe Anthony Davis will play the next game, so we're going to see him anyway. Yeah. And tonight it will be the Dennis and Trez show, or the will Ro- be. or the Roby show. Who knows? So Roby is still out. I think he's listed as out still. Yeah. Uh, his foot is sore, uh, and he was wearing a boot on the bench the other night. Yeah. As only a preventative measure, we were asking, or Degnault, before we even said anything to him uh, pregame the other night, he was like, all right, let's let me go ahead and unload all of this on you. Uh, and he told us, he, and he told us, like, Isaiah's going to be wearing a boot. He said, it's only preventative. We're not worried about his health. So just so you know, he's going to be wearing a boot. That's going to happen. So it wasn't a mystery uh, to people that were on that call. Uh, and so I honestly wouldn't be too concerned about it. They haven't been too. They haven't had the only concerning injury they've had is George Hill, and yeah. honestly, that's that's a, a helpful thing to this team is to have no George Hill for a minute. So yeah, they play the Lakers without. I mean, they could they could win this game, and it's just it's bad luck for the Thunder to play a team that is that should trounce them and. They, they could rack up another win. I know some people are excited about that. That's fine. When that draft lottery comes around, <laughs> these wins, this Houston win, the win against Minnesota, while fun in the moment, while this game may be fun in the moment, 
uh, it's it shows a if if you're just rooting for those wins, it just shows a lack of vision for one what the Thunder would like to do, and then two uh, the future of this team. And I know that having a team lose isn't fun, but ultimately, if you start watching some of these guys in this draft, you have to. <laughs> understand that the more games they win the further away you get from getting any of these really good players yeah and to be completely honest with you i said to john uh, over the last um thunder of the dark episode that to me a game like the one against minnesota the second night of the back-to-back you need to win that game because yeah minnesota is not playing anyone you have shea that is clearly the best player on the court. You have Hami, that was clearly the second best player on the court. Wow, mm-hmm. I said that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> past Michele, I'm sorry, <laughs> but this is this is what we Honestly, have. Honestly, okay, let okay, let's stop. I'm gonna stop you. I there's like these weird like apologists on all this stuff. Like, there's no apology to be made. Like, if mm-hmm. if you want, like in the moment. When we made the analysis on Hami, he mm-hmm. wasn't making good passes. He wasn't making good plays. He had tunnel yeah. vision and he couldn't shoot the ball at all. But we and had he wasn't no vision. At the rim. We had no vision yeah. on the future. That is what we missed. How could you? What did you see that made you think that that was this was even possible? And I talked to Mark about it. Like what? A lot of this is opportunity for him, mm-hmm. and it's the fact that he works really hard when you when you don't see it. Yeah. And past Hami, I mean, last year, Hamadou Diallo was just like straight up just adventure and mystery, right? Yeah. You didn't know what you were going to get from him night in, night out. He comes in, sometimes he does something great, sometimes he does things that are spectacularly bad. I mean, that was him last year. Yeah. And he has developed into a more steady player. He's gotten more experience. He's gotten more experiences when it comes to being on the court for a good length of time. And he's improved and good on him and good on the coaching staff. But that doesn't mean that we need to like issue some apology to Hamadou Diallo. Like the, the correct call was made then. And we, we can say, yeah, he has changed. Yeah. If I'm making the wrong analysis on a player at a current time, then yeah, I'll apologize for that. But honestly, like if you would have projected this, you're you're either just like a crazy homer that think mm-hmm. that you have vision, but you don't really you don't really have vision because you could do this for every player, right? You could extrapolate yeah. things to every player, and you're going to be wrong a majority of the time. Yeah, but you can look at what you have, see what you have to work with, and say yes. Most NBA players don't get better like that, especially guys that were picked in the second round. It just doesn't typically happen. Um, so I'm issuing no apology. But I will say, good on Hami for improving, and I'm impressed with what he's done, and I hope he continues to improve. Yeah, yeah. Also because, I mean, he he's still very young. Um, not super duper, I mean, he is still, I think, on, on his way for his 23rd birthday, something like that. Yeah, I think he's 22, yeah. Yeah, so there's still room uh, between now and his prime. And, yeah, and if Hami... Sure is this kind of player then maybe it's not really part of the core but 
he may be fight for a role in the core. Who knows? Like, uh, or or he just gets a like a nice second deal. Yeah, which is like I just I didn't think that he was on his way to getting a nice second deal. And yeah. he, he frankly was not on his way yeah. to getting a nice second deal uh, until recently. And and that could fade too. Like some of this could yeah. fade as well. Yeah, and maybe and maybe it's just that sometimes uh, we were very very high on Hami in his first stint in the league. Then he had the injury and he right. lost basically, I would say a month, month and a half. Then he came mm-hmm. back and the team was kind of in a different mold. They were trying to win at all costs. And then the second year, another injury, something like that. Sometimes you need to rethink uh, what do you do and, and just go back to, to work and to try to be someone else. And Hami is doing that. Yeah. Now, yeah. uh, he needs to do that on a consistent basis for way more than five to ten games. But still, right. um, what, what he showed over the last ten games, I think it's relevant and, and credit to him and to the coaching staff because they are clearly working uh, on the right direction, on the same direction, which is often mm-hmm. important. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. you, you have ideas for a player and he just diverges uh, from the path. Um, Hami mm-hmm. seems on board and, and again um, yeah. if the bad things are two mid-range shots per game I would rather prefer them being threes um, mm-hmm. but you know you can have everything all the time so <laughs> we just have to be happy with, with what you have yeah and one, one thing that I took from what Degnan was saying about Hami was that he said that he figured out early on how to be a professional. Mm-hmm. And so like you can look back at players that didn't work out. Everybody had high, very high hopes for Terrence Ferguson. Yeah. Really his first three years, it was, wow, look at these flashes. What could he be? People predicting that he could score 15 points per game and do all these things. I mean, there was a lot there. I did that. Yeah. And I think one of the hurdles that he never got over is that he never truly learned how to be a professional and that he didn't bring that. And a lot of it is that he has tons of off the court issues and yes, all that's there. Yeah. But even as a professional, tons of these guys have off the court issues. Tons of these guys have stuff going on in their lives that are difficult to overcome. That's, it's not, and that's all of us, right? (laughs) Like we all experience things in life that are difficult to overcome. All of us. Um, but learning how to be professional. And they said that that's something that Hami did early on. And I hadn't heard anybody say that. Uh, you can assume some of that kind of stuff, but when you hear a coach that's been with him since the beginning, that, yeah, he's learned, he learned how to be professional very early on. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that's like another little bit of interesting information that helps you learn a little bit more about him and why like a Terrence Ferguson, Jeremy Lamb, Perry Jones, you know, type of player, Mitch McGarry, that didn't work out for this team. Like that was a missing puzzle piece for all of those guys. Now, Jeremy Lamb, I think, has figured it out mm-hmm. because he's a nice pro now. Uh, Perry Jones never did. Perry yeah. Jones isn't in the league. Mitch McGarry is a professional bowler now, or maybe even recreational bowler. I don't even know if he's <laughs> professional. But whatever he is, he didn't ever figure out that piece of the puzzle. And Hamidou Diallo, according to the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder, has figured that piece out early on. And that can only be a nice support for you as you move forward and as you progress in your skill level. And, you know, credit to him for becoming what he has. Because, I mean, 
I would guess that you would have to go all the way back to high school and maybe even pre-high school to find a game where Hamadou Diallo had 10 assists in a game. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, Because, I mean, so. probably... Not I mean, at Kentucky. Kentucky. Didn't happen at Kentucky. No. There's no... I don't even have to look at the stats. No. To know that that never, ever happened. Yeah. And then even going back to high school, like, he's a big dude yeah. who probably played against a lot of smaller dudes, and he probably just mashed them and yeah. didn't have to get 10 assists a game. That may, I don't need to, I need to ask him, you know, was this, was that your first game ever to get a points assist, uh, double, double, uh, cause that's, that is an accomplishment. That's yeah. an accomplishment for a guy like yeah. that. And it took the circumstances that the thunder had, which was zero guards mm-hmm. on the team, uh, to make it happen. But still he could have had seven turnovers and four assists in that game. I mean, yeah. that, I would have said that that, you know, two months ago, I would have said that's a more likely outcome, but he has developed. He's become a better player. Uh, he's more controlled, which I think is like the number one thing yeah. that has changed with him mentally. It's all mentally. And he's even talked about that. He talked about that, how how Shea has helped him with that, how Coach Degnall's helped him with that, that like mentally he is slowing down some because you could even see it in the past and even some, and even in moments still that, things just seem to be moving so fast and he's so athletic that instead of keeping up with the game here, he just tries to keep up with the game. Yeah. With his legs. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And and sometimes that works for him. Well, like sometimes he does spectacular things because of that. And now it feels like up here is matching physically what he can do. And that's, that's when you can become like a, a pretty special type of player. Not that homily is going to be like some like all-star or something, but you know, for the skill level and for what he was when he came in the league, that to me is is kind of how this emergence is happening with him. Yeah. Now that you mentioned him and McGarry, I can think just of two things. One, I'm trying to rewind in my head how many underhand assists Hami makes. So <laughs> I, I have the feeling that he's never trying to pass the ball in a conventional way. He's always yeah. like bowling the ball. And, and B, the... Um, Going from bowling to, to McGarry, I still have nightmares about one thing that McGarry did on Twitter. Uh, and I will al- probably already told the story. This is where I, I basically said, okay, Mitch, no. Like everything but this, no. He posted a picture of a filet mignon. And it was yeah. so badly overcooked that uh. you could tell from the picture. And I remember... <laughs> Poor Donald Mayberry said, do you like it that way? And he said, of course. <laughs> and for me, done. <laughs> like, if you ever yeah, cook a filet no mignon, from there. <laughs> like, no chance. Yeah, why would you do that? Yeah, that's I just, don't know. Why? It's, that's awful. It's, it's like pouring pickle juice on a cake or something. Like, give me a break. You don't do that. Yeah, or ketchup on a cake. Ketchup on a cake. Hey, you hey. know. Yeah, it could, could be your thing. Yeah, no judgment, no judgment. Well, sort of. Uh, let's go, sort of. <laughs> let's go over to the stream. Let's see who's joining us. Christos from Greece, as always. Thanks for joining. We have Arnold from the Philippines here. Thanks for joining. Kai from New Zealand. I guess this is the right time to get people worldwide right now. Yeah. Michele. We have Aiden from Edmond. Thanks for joining. Bryce from Ponca City. Jermaine from Charleston, South Carolina. Holding down the door, he says. Uh, we have uh, 
Rahanver from West London in the UK. Kyle from Hawaii. Wow. Dan Mayan from Rhode Island. Wow. The Fluky from Germany, as always. Holy moly, guys. Wojtek uh, Christian Kowalik. from South London. Poland. Wow. Poland. Uh, Miroslav from Germany. Uh, Falk from Denmark. This is awesome. Amazing. Thanks so much. We got T in Miami. Thanks for joining, guys. We really appreciate it. Uh, down to dunk worldwide. Here we are. We got Jay Smooth, 27, from Texas. Uh, let's go to the big numbers for the Thunder. Uh, they are currently sitting at 28th in offense, 104.9. Uh, not good. No. <laughs> if you're wondering. No. If you're wondering if that's good. And if, if you're sitting here also wondering, how in the world did a team with the 28th ranked offense score 83 points and a half? My goodness. And then that team turned around and scored 13 in the third. What? What in the world? That was just a wild game. Variance. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Timberwolves. Uh, the Thunder are 19th in defense, which is improving. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are 111.5. 111.5, by the way, still not good. No. <laughs> still not a good defense. Uh, and they are 28th in net rating, a negative 6.6 net rating. The only two teams that are worse than them are the Orlando Magic, who are just been decimated by injuries and you probably guessed it the minnesota timberwolves who we have seen way too much of in the last week so oh shoot and if you're thinking the thunder are too good to tank because they barely beat the timberwolves get a grip everybody get a grip take a look at these big numbers and get a grip all right uh michele i have a question for you yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not a question, a quiz for you uh, on ratings okay. of Stephens. Can you Who's guess this? who? Well, three questions. Can you can you guess who has the best on-off rating of the team? Um, if you exclude garbage time, which means according to cleaning the glass. Oh, for the Thunder, who has the best on-off yeah, rating? Yeah, yeah. Dort. Nope. Number three on the list. Mascala? Nope. Number six on the list. Okay. You this this quiz makes me believe it's not Shay. Teo? Nope. <laughs> Come on. It's not Hor- It's John's not guy. John's guy? Yeah. Who's John's guy? Cambridge Williams. Oh, Kenny. Kenny. Oh, man. Not surprising. I'm a huge Kenrich Williams guy. I There are very few guys on this team that I would say I would like for them to stick around as a role player mm-hmm. moving forward. Uh, he's one. Yeah. Maybe one of one. Right? Yeah. So, the, que- the first question went horribly bad. So, you can now... <laughs> Um, you can now trying to redeem yourself by guessing who has the best defensive net rating on a team. Dort. Come on, Andrew. It's not Dort. Dort is quite bad. <laughs> in defense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Always on-off uh, in terms of on-off. Who gives the best swing to the team, which always also is who has the best defensive rating. Michael, I just don't know. It's easy. It's easy. Super uh, it's easy. Apparently, it's apparently not. No, that it's easy. easy. 
It's also Kenrich Williams, who has by far the best net rating, minus 15.3 compared to where the Thunder are without him. Uh, with him on the court, the Thunder have, um, well, I don't have the number here, but it's minus 15.3 compared to when he's on the court, which is a huge swing. As, that is a big swing. Yeah, as huge as uh, this guy, who among the players who played like relevant minutes, is the guy who has the best swing on offense. That guy is quite easy. Um, Shea? Yeah, Shea and Dort are the best at plus yeah. 12 and plus 13. Yeah. So I was surprised, though. Shea has a ne- negative on-off. And it's that mainly because of the defense. When he's in the court, mm-hmm. the defense is awfully bad. When he, when he plays with either Baisley or Roby, the net rating of the team is quite bad. Um, mm-hmm. Which is something that you can attribute to two things, basically. One, Shea plays always against starters. And mostly with like with starters when the, the starting unit for OKC is not fully back. Uh, which is yeah. where OKC has his own terrible moments against good teams. And mm-hmm. and also by the fact that whenever you have Roby on the court, the defense suffers, and, and Baisley has not been great, um, except for a few games. But still, yeah. it's, it's weird that he doesn't have um, a positive impact overall. It is strange, yeah. but... I mean, on a team that has the net rating that they do, it's not surprising. No, no, and, and I, and, and so I wanted to um, to check uh, that against um, what Alex mentioned on last Wednesday, and I said, "Well, Shea must be the worst of that pack." Not the case. Mm-hmm. Almost every young player on that table that uh, that Alex showed, uh, meaning John Morant, um, Devin Booker, or uh, Donovan, even Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, they all have a bad on-off, which is hmm. kind of surprising to me. It is surprising. Yeah. This is according again yeah, to Community I, Glass. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I don't have any, any clue what to do with yeah, that. Yeah, me neither. But it's something where probably for Mitchell is the second unit of the Jazz is so good. And and it's Mm -hmm. not that the on-off swing means that when Donovan is on the court, the Jazz are bad. It means that that the second unit of the Jazz is basically dismantling everyone, which can happen, which is basically Mm -hmm. what Schroeder's on-off was saying last year. The Thunder's second unit was so good. But still... It's a bit, um, I don't know, unsettling to me that he mm-hmm. ha- that uh, Shea um, has one of the worst defensive rating of the of the team. Yeah, yeah, and he's got a lot of responsibility as an offensive player. Yeah, and this this happens with guys that do have that kind of responsibility as an offensive player. I don't think he's been a bad defender this year, though. No, not not a great one. I wonder how. Like sometimes we don't pay too much attention on how many times he really allows his man to either force the switch or mm-hmm. just take the dribble penetration a little bit easier than what it could have been. Those things are hard to to check and to parse, and this is why 
like having good defensive metrics is so hard. It's because it's it's very hard. It, it's difficult to, for example, there is. Um, I probably already mentioned this a million times, but it's worth remembering, uh, and it allows me to remind everyone to read Set Park now because he's one of the greatest uh, analytical minds in, in in the NBA. And he mentioned yep. on Twitter uh, once that one of the stats that he wants to track uh, one day is the number of shots that a defender takes away, and this is yeah. so hard. Uh, because it's <laughs> so you have to look at every single thing. Yeah, exactly. You have to look at every single thing. Exactly, and and yeah, but th- but this is crucial, and, and and it's also the the opposite. Like what happens when you allow shots that you could have prevent, and these are are things that you you have uh, probably a hard time uh, putting into stats, but maybe they reflect into broader numbers, which yeah, like. Well, it's why you can't just look at the defensive numbers and determine who's a good defender yeah. and who's not. I mean, that's why. I mean, that's why you watch the game. And you know, Shea has all the tools to be a good defender. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen him like truly put it together for the Thunder yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, even especially last year in the playoffs against Houston. I mean, they were targeting him. Yeah. On the defensive end, and so. You know, there's still a lot of growth and improvement to be done there, but, um, you know, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, we got Jay Smith in the chat. What's up, Jay? He said, I just wanted to, to get your opinions on how the Rose trade will impact Obi Toppin's development. Always about Obi. I'll tell you this, Jay. Obi Toppin is not the guy I thought he was going to be, and I would blame Tibbs. Yeah. This is all Tibbs because they're not – he hasn't been as good as they would have hoped, but they're certainly uh, there's certainly some blame on Tibbs when it comes to development because all they want to do is just try to win games, and development doesn't seem to be a huge part of that. Yeah, and I can't pretend to 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 say that I watched a ton of Knicks games because I didn't, um, but I didn't expect that from Topin. I expected him mm-hmm. to be a guy who could stay on the court. A lot, especially for a team that right. values talent, but not young, super young talent. Like if you put the guy, uh, he's eighteen, like Bokushevsky, he doesn't sniff the court for the Knicks. I, oh, no I way. probably yeah. thought, well, maybe Toppin is a is an old guy compared to the other rookies. He 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 was a leader, and I thought the tips could value those things, but probably. The fact that he's not there defensively and that maybe his shot is not where they thought it could be. Maybe this is why. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Rose impact. I, I, I know that Jay doesn't <laughs> wasn't funny. implying that, but uh, I don't think that uh, that Rose impacts anything comp- in terms of uh, topping. Maybe, maybe having a, a a guy that can actually play the point. Uh, on the second unit, maybe it will uh, it will help him a bit. I yeah, don't know. It's possible. Uh, let's see. James Anderson made a good observation. He said that I understand the advanced stats showing that we should and will get worse, but ten and twelve is really all that matters. I agree. I agree. It matters significantly. Yeah. Uh, with regards to getting a good pick in the lottery, it it definitely matters. I agree. That's what that's what makes like. Uh, Anthony Davis missing tonight's game like very like frustrating um, because it it will impact 
it will actually impact the the future of the thunder like these even though like you you only see what's right in front of your face right now that will impact it if you don't have a vision for what this team could be in the future and what they could do if they could add one or two really nice prospects um great if that's your goal if you just want to win the game that's right in front of you you're gonna you're gonna miss out and it's the front office's job to do that um to get them to a place where they will lose more games and if you're Sam, you've done a ton to this point. Yeah. To, to get yourself to the to the place that you're in, the the amount of trades that they made that should have made them worse is tremendous. And they this team they're not trying to be good. They weren't trying to win 10 games by this point. I think they would have hoped that they wouldn't have won this many. And I one credit to these Thunder players that are all on board and definitely credit to the the staff who have done a tremendous job they've done a great job um and sam has got more work to do in my opinion if they want to get to the place where they want to be and i think that we it's very clear and apparent exactly where they want to be yeah um if i can mention something very quick is that sure over the next 16 games the easiest opponent for okc uh opponents will be Cleveland, Dallas, and Atlanta, which, yeah, like they can they can go two and fourteen, or four and twelve, with ease. And and yeah. I know that having fourteen twenty two is not like probably giving you the worst uh, record in the in the league. But it's also true that except for a few teams that are way below OKC which are basically mm-hmm. three teams. Uh, mm-hmm. The others? It probably puts you in the bottom five. It probably exactly. puts you in the exactly. bottom Where? five. And if you can get to the bottom five, I think that you can be happy because I think Cade will be the best player out of all those guys. But then after Cade, I can't tell you definitively who will be what from there. Yeah. And the G League Ignite games are going to be pivotal in all in all of this because yeah. Jalen Green may come out or Kaminga may come out and be like some just monster yeah. and like oh okay well he's number two yeah. you know and I I got the feeling like the Evan Mobley stock had risen really high and now I get the feeling that it's kind of leveling out some mm-hmm. and so it's not impossible that Evan Mobley even falls to five yeah. in this draft it's so to me it's those five you just want to you just want to get one of them yeah right like if you get Suggs, great. Mobley, Kaminga, Green. I don't I, unless you're getting the number one pick. I don't think you're getting Cade. Um, but if you can get one of those other four, like you just want to get one of those other four. Yeah, like that's that's what you want, and you want to just get into that bottom five to give yourself the best chance. Yeah, and and again, uh, I know that this year draft is something extremely important. But with all the assets that you have. Uh, it's not. We already talked last week about the possibility of trading Shea and um, mm-hmm. something like that. But I do think that if you are, uh, if you don't have the number one pick, um, like if you take that out of the out of the equation and you have a top five pick, if you package enough, you can move like one or two spots. Maybe you don't get one, but say that you like Kuminga more than Green and you are confident that 
he's the guy, then you probably can get him if you have a high pick. Yeah. So either you, ha you have a lot of luck and you need to have that anyway, even if you have the worst record in the league in order to get number one pick, uh, which mm -hmm. is, again, if you somehow struck uh, luck over the last few games of the season and somehow you get the fourth worst record, then you are there in terms of per percentage. It's not that different. So yep. either you're lucky and you get number one or OKC have all the tools to secure uh, the number two or the number three pick with, with what they have. Yeah, they've got, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's why you bake all the deals that you do so that you just give yourself all the chances to get there. Yeah. They can, like, if they like Kuminga as much as Dallas loved Luca, which is, like, he's not that kind of player, I know, but just to just to make an example, then you can package five first-round pick. Who cares? If this is, is, if that is your guy and you're confident that that is your guy, then you mm -hmm. just get him. And, yeah, probably it will cost you a little bit more than the other teams because everyone knows how many picks you have. But in the end... I mean, it's not that you you have them for other purposes. You you can, you can trade them, and mm -hmm. and yeah, and again, yeah, you can you can also trade Shea, Dort, Basley, whoever. Like yeah, they have so many options. Mike, Mike Muscala, who was out uh, due to concussion protocol. Which you know, it's easy to make fun of Mike Muscala. I don't think you should. I think Mike Muscala has been awesome this year yeah. i think he's been extremely helpful to all the young guys because on offense he knows where to be on every possession to help yeah and he sets good screens he his hitting his outside shot he's a great release valve for any of these guys and he's been that all year and so get well soon mike muscala uh i i think that he is a huge help to this team so uh yeah, Lakers, they play the Lakers tonight in L.A. They get the Lakers again in L.A. on Wednesday. Uh, good on the Thunder for getting out of OKC just in time uh, because, man, and they're, I guess they'll come, they'll come back and play at home on Sunday, to which I think the, the high on Sunday is 18 in OKC. Um, wow. So they'll be welcome, welcome back into uh, frigid, frigid temperatures. Somehow we've become a a weather show just because it's a part of my uh, <laughs> concerns here at my place. But uh, let's take a look at some Twitter questions. I am, uh, so the, the Oklahoma City Blue are doing a media availability here shortly and I'm kind of monitoring that because they said that, I got a um, call earlier that Poku might be available and so I'd like to hear what he has to say. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
but let's do some Twitter questions and uh, let's see. Great. I have them here. We can start with uh, Sportfan405. Hill Muscala Diallo, Williams, Ariza. How many get traded uh, and, and how soon? Uh, yeah, I would, man, I, I think it's still George Hill. Yeah. I know his injury complicates things. It's not a devastating injury. It's not like a knee injury where you're going to be like, oh, is he going to be the same when he comes back? Like he's, He will be fine. A team can trade for him immediately, right? Yeah. Um, and not worry and just know that like, yeah, he just has to heal. And after he heals, he'll be back and he'll be doing the same George Hill stuff. So I don't think that it's like a, hey, we need to wait and see what this guy can do kind of thing. I think that he's that's a he's a well-known commodity. Uh, and then from there, I have to believe that they're going to try to trade Trevor Ariza. Yeah. And they may be a deadline type of deal. It took Memphis all the way until the deadline to trade Andre Godala. Yeah, and, and, and Ariza so, is nowhere near that value. So expect him to be traded for nothing maybe even yeah even i mean essentially yeah 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 so sorry so um I, I don't expect him to be really traded um maybe okay he can absorb something bad uh, or an unwanted contract or whatever and, and yeah. maybe uh this is how you get some assets but but it's not that we we have too many bad contracts in the league uh, that you can move um, with ease. Like, Russ would be one, but I'm not sure that we should touch that as of today. Not now. No. no. I'm so sad. I don't know. That is very but sad. But I also I don't want him back, Big Virgil, in the chat. I'm not sure I want Russ back. Not now. Not now. Not now. Not now. No. That's too sad. In eight That's years, yes, really maybe. Sad. Yeah, I mean, if he wants to come back and give us a, an Iverson moment where he kisses the the uh, Doritos logo at center court, fine. You know, it's great. can do that. Uh, but, yeah, I think probably Hill, Ariza. I mean, Muscala, I, I don't think that they would shy away from trading him if they get an asset and they, they send him to a good situation. I mean, going back to Philly yeah. would not be a bad situation for him. Yeah. Uh, he's got experience with the franchise. They need more shooting. Mm-hmm. And I think that Mike is in a place where he can really contribute. So that's, um, to me, that's a good situation for him. Hami, uh, I, don't, I don't think that you can get enough for Hami to yeah. make it worth it to trade him. And I think the Thunder will like having him around, not just as a guy that's developing, but from a personality standpoint, yeah. I think that he's good. Look at you. This group, so. Now a second rounder is not I, is not uh, enough. I'm glad. No, I mean, again, I will change my analysis when I see something yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, so. it's smart. <laughs> I can't, I can't preemptively change my analysis just because people are emotionally attached to somebody. Like, give me a break. Okay, uh, next one. If you were Danny Ainge, would you rather have add Al Horford and Ariza uh, package through trade? I don't. I mean, that would. I don't think. I mean, who cares about Ariza? Yeah, honestly? yeah. Why Ariza? Um, why do you want to ruin yeah, everything we, with Ariza? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't do that. Al Horford makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, for them, I think George Hill makes some sense for them. Uh, Horford into that TPE, I think, might be one of the best guys that they can get at this point. Mm-hmm. 
because I don't think it would cost a whole lot to get him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say uh, to me, to me, I would. That's if I'm Danny Ainge, I look at reuniting Horford with his his young young fellas there. Yeah, and I know that Tice has been okay, and he, he's the starters for them, but. Like to be honest, yeah. At this point, he's like way overrated, though. Like he's yeah. like a serviceable player, yeah. But the the Boston fan base has gone way overboard with what Tice is. Like he's a really, really nice backup, yeah. Um, and if you have Horford and Tice, like there you go. Like that's a nice big man rotation. Yeah. And if you're trying to win right now, like I'm sorry, you just don't really have time for the Time Lord. So just I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess with all that i'd bring horford in i think that that puts them up into a category in the east where like okay well we might (laughs) we might have to actually pay attention to this boston celtics team now because with the development of jalen brown who's been incredible Mm -hmm. this year and marcus smart coming back potentially and then you have jason tatum obviously who's a star um kemba who's if kemba and horford can kind of come together and be Mm -hmm. this like the the old guard for that team and just make shots and direct the defense. I mean, great. Then you just let your young guys shine. Yeah, and to be completely honest, the TPE is not going anywhere. This is some deal that you can maybe review at the draft and say, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we still yeah, have yeah. it. True. Now, if, if Tristan Thompson picks up his TPE is uh, options, then you can trade him. Um, you don't pay a huge luxury tax for that because you probably have just half of those 27 millions if you if you allow Tristan Thompson either to expire or to be packaged because I think that he has something he can say no to a trade to OKC because he has this weird um, contract that if you sign for one year then you basically have uh, a de facto no trade clause and and yeah this can make things a little bit hard in terms of trade what you can do um another option for for boston is to get an insurance like i know that george hill injury is not uh, with his injury is not um an insurance but i do think that if kemba goes down then you have no options basically you you're just you're just going to lose uh tremont waters yeah, yeah you don't yeah you don't want to do that yeah so in some sense you can also say well Teague is nice. It's it's an, it was a nice uh, adventure, but but no, we just want to have an extra guard, and and we can yeah, get yeah. him for basically nothing. You can get him for Romeo Langford, or Langford probably, or uh, for mm-hmm. guys like that. So yeah. well, I think it's that makes it. I know that they have Pritchard and guys like that, but who knows? Yeah, you don't want to get to playoff time and having to play heavily rely on Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, (laughs) maybe he plays ten minutes off the bench, and that's fine. Yeah, because he he will go all out in those minutes. And he was good last night, though. He might help you. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good. Playoffs are a different animal, though. Yeah, I don't know. I agree. Just yeah, you don't want to go into the playoffs relying on a rookie. Rarely has that ever, ever worked out. Yeah. I mean, Demonis Sabonis in the playoffs for the Thunder in his rookie season was atrocious. Yeah. Like, unplayable. Yeah. So, like, just, we have to slow our roll with most rookies. I mean, the, the only rookie I, at this point that I look at and say, okay, I feel pretty good about them contributing to a playoff team is Tyrese Halliburton, and he may not even have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and even Tyrese uh, in crunch time yesterday was not 
touching anything. It was just. I mean, it's yeah, it's Darren Fox. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just trust him to be out on the court. Yeah, 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 for sure. He's and, he's and so not smart. Kill you, kind of thing. Oh, he's great. Yeah. yeah, he he coaxed Hassan Whiteside from having a temper tantrum yesterday. So, like, that's okay. Great. You're worth the money just for that move right there. Uh, this is from at Nate, Nate, Nate's and five or Nate, Nate Sand five. I don't know which. Let me know, Nate. Uh, we've gotten variations of this question. I think I'll answer this question the same almost every time he asks, would you rather have the number two pick in the draft or the number five and the number eight pick in this year's draft? Give me the number two pick in the draft. End of story. Yeah. 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 It's. Let me, and I know I said I, you just want one of those five, but let me choose which one. <laughs> let, let the Thunder choose which of those guys outside of Cade is the better guy. Like, let them, let them choose instead of letting the, the one that the other people don't want fall to you. You always want the choice. And if you, the higher pick, when you're talking about a top five pick, the higher the pick, the better. The number eight pick over the course of NBA history is not rendered the kind of talent the number two pick has so yeah. give me number two on Therese because Jay is smooth uh, 27 is trying to um, argue with me uh, no it kind of took over but it was before the closing minutes there was just yeah. I, I think, no he was great in the, in, in the fourth quarter but then I think that as soon as Fox came back the pecking order was clear and it was just back to I'm a complementary piece to his team which is Mm-hmm. which is good uh it's wonderful yeah and it was awesome before uh i love tyrese so yeah i hope they make the playoffs i hope no, they me do. too i think that me would, too that would be wonderful yeah. for them then they can get a good coach yeah yeah uh let's see yeah <laughs> the luke walton situation is interesting okay last one this is from at Moriat Logan, and he wants to know... Oh, my two-year-old is invading the room. He's got pieces of wood. <laughs> You're making a sled. Wow. Go show it to your mother, okay? Okay. Okay. Oh, oh okay. kids. Um, anyways, sorry. Very good. Okay, what if Presti continues to make changes to his typical prospects that we usually joke about um, can't shoot um, non three and D guys. He, and then he asked about drafting Corey Kispert, a proven sniper who can open up our offense with more movement. So we have the exact right person on the pod. The Corey Kispert, uh, if you don't know who he is, he's a a wing from Gonzaga. He's a four year guy. He's been incredible mm-hmm. this year. He's nineteen point nine points per game, shooting. 57% from the field, 48% from three on s- over six attempts per game, and almost 90% from the free throw line. He's 89.5% from the free throw line. So he's 57, uh, 48, 89 on the season. Just a just a guy that shoots the basketball. But he is he is a four-year guy, which doesn't typically fit the, mm-hmm. uh, the model for what Sam Presti is looking for. Uh, but tell us a little bit about Corey. Well, uh, recently, uh, I didn't watch a ton of him, but I have a good grasp because I watched a ton of Gonzaga basketball over the past few years. And I think that 
at first when when he was a rookie uh you had your like schemes in mind yeah good shooter never going to play in the nba because it's athletically he's probably not going to be uh enough and, and yet Corey was a okay athlete which and he improved uh in his college ten- tenure and Mm-hmm. And one thing that struck me, uh, he's a guy that is not just a shooter. He's a guy that can put the ball in, um, on the floor. Uh, he can make a pass. And, and, and more so, he never makes a mistake in terms of choices on offense. He knows where to be. He knows how to, um, how to shoot the basketball standstill on the move. Um, he can take a step back. He can pull up from basically anywhere. The range will be some sort of... Um, there will be a like a period where he adjusts to the NBA range, but I would I wouldn't worry. He's a guy that could average, uh, as Sam said, uh, Sam Vecini said in one of the last podcasts, 60, 50, 90. He can end the season like that. He's probably shooting over 75% uh, effective field goal. He's just insane. He's probably, yeah. um, he's not Doug McDermott, but it's that kind of player, more athletical. Uh, well, he's six seven too. Yeah. So I mean, he's got good size. Yeah. yeah he's 69, 69.8 effective field goal percentage, which in my book that is the perfect field goal percentage. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, but he's playing for the number one team, one team in the country, which right. is the thing where we should discuss a bit, because Gonzaga has a way to maximize players. Um, Wiltshire, a few seasons ago. He was a player that was scoring in the 20s. Just an insane three-point shooter, 45%. He played, I think, a preseason in the NBA, and that was it. Um, This is not Kispert. But what I'm trying to say is, for a Sabonis, there is an Olenek. And and it's not that Olenek is a bad player, but, you know, Gonzaga really maximizes whoever on his roster uh and mark few is a genius and they play a very sophisticated offense and they play just such a good offense that basically no defense uh can can stay with them and on top of that the wcc is probably the worst uh conference (laughs) in college basketball uh it's not the worst but gonzaga is so much better than anyone else that basically you can take all the conference play and put it away because it doesn't mean anything. Uh, but Kisper was awesome also against non-conference teams. So you need to take every number uh, from Gonzaga with a grain of salt. Um, but never, nevertheless, I think that Corey Kisper's numbers are insane. And he could be someone that if you have a pick from Miami that is around the 10th, then yeah. why not? I mean, if you think about how many good looks... OKC is creating right now for right average now, shooters. This team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shea is able to generate good shots. Now, think of mm-hmm. another blue chip prospect that will probably take a good number of shots. You need guys like Kispert. And uh, and he yeah. could be awesome with Theo Maledon as your yeah. second unit duo where Theo is really good at running uh, at the point. He is quiet. He doesn't take too many shots. But he knows how to feed three-point shooters. So I think that Kispert is a very good um, prospect in general. And, and it's not that if you if you are a fourth-year player, it means that you are done. And and if he, and if he is done with the development, like he's an awesome scorer. And um, 
He's got he's got the size yeah. and he's got the shooting ability to at least just be a role player, like your ninth guy yeah. at the very very least. Right? Yeah, of course, defense will be something that separates uh, his career from a very very good one to an average one. Like mm-hmm. even Doug McDermott could could shoot like everywhere from everywhere. I remember uh, a horse mm-hmm. game between him and Abrines, and he was just. <laughs> killing Abrinas uh, yeah. but he could not be a positive defender at any point in his career and this relegates mm-hmm. to you to 8th uh, ninth, 10th man uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't doubt that bearing injury he Kispert will be a long term veteran uh, in the league but like a starter or a guy off the bench it's probably going to be defense mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense um, Kelly, thanks for joining the show. Make sure you go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk to get the athletic for $3.99 a month. It's basically stealing because you get so much great content. You get this podcast ad free. You get every podcast ad free. That's the athletic NBA show. That's the daily ding. Uh, that's even the, the, the team specific shows other than down to dunk. There's a Sixers beach show. That's very good. The Brooklyn Nets show, the glue guys is very good. All ad free. And then plus you get the great written content about not only the NBA, but every major sport. So please go check that out. You guys have a wonderful day, and we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.